Autodesk Fusion Connect is an IoT cloud platform. Recently, the company announced that it will embed an artificial intelligence modeling engine, Eureka from Newtonian, a machine intelligence company, to interpret IoT data and maximize business outcomes. We asked Brian Custer, Director of IoT at Autodesk, for more information on this development. Brian, tell me a little bit about Fusion Connect. Um, how exactly does it help the design engineer? Yeah, sure, Leslie. Um, so Fusion Connect is a cloud service that you can subscribe to, and it takes care of the cloud part of an IoT solution. So put another way, it, it, it can bring data in from all kinds of different devices. Um, really, any, any device or machine with an IP address that mm -hmm. wants to send data to our IP addresses, our Internet addresses, can send data in there. And that's a pretty big problem in IoT because it's a lot of data. So we, we, we ingest a lot of information um, from all kinds of different machines and, and devices out there. We store it, and then we analyze it in both real time, and then also we can do historical analytics. And, but most importantly for the design engineer, on top of that, we provide a suite of what we call no-coding tools where um, a mechanical engineer, a civil engineer, um, really any non-computer um, science-based engineer can develop a really robust and powerful IoT web application without being a programmer. So it's a, what we call a, a no-coding, point-and-click environment for building both web and mobile applications. So it removes, um, you know, traditionally on the software side, uh, one of our customers would have to buy anywhere from two to, in some cases, seven different software products to get the cloud part of a IoT solution stood up. And here it's just a simple uh, one-stop subscription. So if an engineer has this product, then it's a simple method of creating some kind of an app that's going to gather information and analyze it and spit out a result, and the engineer doesn't have to code to, to create that? That's right. Yeah, it's it's a no it's a zero coding experience. It's it's a lot like working. Uh, if you think about taking um, a Visio diagram and marrying it with a spreadsheet, uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of like that type of experience. So instead of having to type in like some Java or Python code like a programmer would do to find you know like the area under a curve or do some sort of other math. Um, okay. Could you tell me a little bit then about how the analytics work? Is this something? that is prepackaged or does the engineer what does the engineer have to do to get the analytics that he needs? Well, so analytics is a big, big word that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, in our system, kind of getting back to the analogy I talked about earlier, it is really kind of like a spreadsheet. So we give people a tool to model whatever data they want to model. So if you want to model um, some statistics for the last week on your machines, you just basically build a, a table of, of a database table without being a programmer uh, of those sorts of statistics, and then you tell our central engine, which again kind of operates like a spreadsheet, to fill up that table with statistics. Um, and, and, and taking that further, um, if you think about the way a spreadsheet works, you know, if you have an algorithm you invented on your own for analyzing something or forecasting something, you know, you just paste it in the spreadsheet. And our, and our approach is the same way. You just paste it right into our system. You know, if, you can, if you can model wh whatever you're looking for, like whatever data set you're looking for, you can build uh, a database model for that, and then you can have analytics or math and calculations run on top of it. So we kind of jokingly call it you know, bring your own algorithm. 
BYOA. And so if you have something that you, you, know, you use all the time, you can uh, just put it right in the system. If you don't have math, what you can do is use one of our partners, and we've, we have an exclusive partnership with a company called Newtonian that can do large-scale uh, what are called regression analysis on big data sets. And then their system, the important thing that it does is it creates an algorithm for you. And so it will look at all your information and try to figure out you know, what, what information correlates with other information. And if you tell that, that system that you like the result, it will give you the formula and then that automatically gets delivered into our system. You know, and that's kind of like the, almost like a holy grail of kind of predictive um, analytics, which is what, what mainly what people are excited about with IoT is being able to predict when something will fail or will break or maybe something needs more fuel or other consumables. And that's you know, a huge value of IoT is being able to do that kind of you know, forecasting or predictive analytics. How reliable are these analytics? Are these things just based like on a bell curve, just on statistics? There's a lot of very complicated science, and, and that's kind of one of the, the, the neat things that at least our, our current partner, Natodium, does is that they give you a, essentially a confidence level of what the, how, how good the math is going to be. In, in most cases, if you, have, if you have a good data set, it really gets back to the quality and how much data you have. So if you have you know, 50 columns worth of data, again, thinking about it in spreadsheet terms, if you have 50 columns worth of data and different variables, and you have a terabyte of that information, you're going to be able to predict things a lot better looking at that data set than if you just had five columns of data and maybe a megabyte of, of uh, information. Um, so you know, the, the, the more varied the information you have, and, and the larger data set you have, the more predictive and accurate you can be. Usually in IoT, when people are trying to fix a piece of equipment, if the prediction is right three out of four times, that's pretty good. So now is this primarily just for failure prediction for maintenance? No, it can really be used for anything. So maintenance is the one that gets a lot of people who own things excited mm -hmm. because there's a lot of cost tied up in maintenance. But you can use it to predict Say, particularly consumables usage. So a lot of we focus a lot on machines. We work with a lot of machine builders, and most machines consume something. Um, at a basic level, they consume a lot of power or energy. Mm -hmm. um, so we we have customers that have to use data science to predict when um, or what the optimal time of day is to run a piece of equipment based on utility rates okay. and, and historical information about usage. And we even have OEM machine builders that sell that, those energy predictions and that energy data actually as a service around their product. Mm -hmm. um, so, so for example, I might sell you an air compressor you know, which uses a lot of energy, and I might sell you a prediction about how much it's going to use on Friday if it continues to operate the, the way it is, and, and you can do something with that information. So that's one. So you know, machines, they consume a lot of energy. They also consume spare parts. They consume other consumables, like printers obviously consume ink. Um, and so forth. So basically, um, you're, you're starting to talk about supply chain forecasting, which is a, which. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's funny. Predictions have been used in a lot of other sectors, like sales and supply chain, for a long time. They just call it forecasts. Right. <laughs> um, right. You know, here we're really just bringing the you know, highly accurate forecasts to the world of, of machines. Um, so there's that. Um, I have customers that have um, been able to use their machines to predict when they should sell a customer a new one. So getting back to the concept of a sales forecast, you might look at a lot of information and realize um, this is the exactly right time to go sell a customer a new machine or sell them a refurbishment. 
you know, okay. it, it's a world, this is really a world of correlation, like correlating different things, um, to, you know, pun intended in some ways, correlating a lot of things together that all kind of behave the same way. Um, that's why when we talk about analytics and the way that we deliver it with, with our partner, we, we like to call it dynamic predictive analytics mm -hmm. because, you know, if, if things operate on the physical world and, and there's a huge difference between operating something in Russia versus operating something in North America, um, you know, power quality, the environment, things are uh, operating. So, like with our approach, you can actually have a unique analytic for um, and, and mathematical model for analyzing equipment in one part of the world versus another or, or even, you know, between customer types. Um, so you might have customers that use your machines a certain way and then another segment uses them a different way and you might want to analyze them both differently. Now how large of a market do you think is out there for this kind of product? You know, I think today the market for it is relatively small. Um, there are only a handful of companies I know of in the Fortune 500 that are doing really um, advanced data science on their machines. Um, but I think it's like a lot of things. People don't understand what's possible right now. And I think once folks get a grasp on what the art of the possible is, it'll change. Um, you know, getting back to forecasting, I, I look at it a lot like what happened with PCs and, and uh, IT supply chains in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s. So, you know, the whole industry used to run their supply chains a very specific way in terms of creating computers and PCs and parts until Dell came along and taught everybody what supply chain forecasting could do. And then the entire industry changed from something where you bought PCs on the shelf predominantly to where, you know, mainly you had them configured for you online and then delivered just in time. Um, that was all, you know, technology capability. And I think it's the same thing here with IoT. IoT is just another way of giving you data about how things are actually, you know, working out in the world. And then, you know, once you understand what that information looks like, then you can know, then you can start to come up with ways to, um, capitalize on it. You know, same thing, I mean, with, um, you know, with traditional supply chains, for example, you've always either had point-of-sale systems um, or some other sort of barcoding system like out in a supply chain somewhere that told you when things were actually moving um, versus the old world of supply chains where um, people just traded purchase orders, but you actually never knew um, if something moved from point A to point B. So, um, so if you look, if you look at that, you know, if you look at like the kind of supply chain world, it took them about 10 years to figure out what they could do with just simple data from things like point-of-sale systems and barcode scanners and warehouses. Uh, and, and that's actually, by the way, another form of IoT is just tracking things. And mm -hmm. so I think it'll take, it'll, it'll take the same trajectory here where it'll take about 10 years for people to figure out, you know, well, for, you know Harvard, get this data into one place, you know, potentially with a system like ours, understand what it means, and then do something with it. Now, I remember years back when the uh, various internet and field bus devices were connecting everything together in manufacturing and reams of data was being sent over to various IT and or managerial personnel to tell them what's going on and what's happening. How is today's IoT different from that scenario from about 20 years ago? Um, it's different because really it really is about the analytics. I mean, I would argue that, um, you know, people that live in, on the shop floor in factories, when they hear about IoT, they just kind of roll their eyes because <laughs> it's something they've been doing forever. But mm -hmm. the reality is that nobody except for the local person has been acting on the information very much. Um, and it really hasn't been aggregated up to kind of a one, like a bird's eye view. Mm -hmm. 
it's because it would be phenomenally expensive to do that in, in the recent past. Um, you know, now with not just the cloud, but people developing, you know, really advanced um, machine learning and AI techniques that are just coming out of really out of out of our top science schools um, and being you know, put into the cloud. It's being able to do statistics at a massive level that, that drives insight. And you know, look, just looking at your plant can't tell you about how to optimize the other 163 plants in your op in, in your company. Right. And, and and that's the other thing too is that traditionally, you know, machine builders um, and their customers, you know, operate on a plant by plant basis. You know, most machine mm -hmm. production are, are owned by a plant manager, and mm -hmm. he or she he or she buys them, and they're basically incented. You know, at the end of the day, to get squeeze out another tenth of a point of efficiency in their plant every year, but it's just their plant. It's not the whole company. So mm -hmm. um, that's what we see. You know, C-level folks get excited about manufacturers is that they now know that they can cost effectively get a bird's eye view of the whole operation. Okay. Uh, but you know, I, I will tell you, it is it has always been way too expensive to do this in the past. I mean, I've talked to, you know, the C-level at Ford, for example, and you know, they know they have. Five ten million dollars worth of excess inventory in the basement of all their plants. They just don't. It would just be you know historically it would have been cost prohibitive to go outfit everywhere with barcode scanners and go collect all that data. And it's just no yeah. different. It's just no different than machines. You know. Okay. Now there's so many people getting into the IoT space. What makes Autodesk product different from everybody else's? Um, well, the first thing is that we're. Um, you know, I mentioned it earlier, we're no coding. So the Autodesk philosophy about virtually everything is trying to democratize technology and make it affordable and accessible um, to, to mere mortals, you know, like you and I. And, uh, you, know, you know, Autodesk is known, I think, historically for putting CAD on, you know, one out of every three people's uh, machines that, that's using CAD. And, you know, we have a couple hundred other products where that, that rings true, and, and it's really no different here. So Autodesk actually acquired my company and uh, called C-Control to basically um, bring this simple philosophy to enterprise IoT applications. Uh, we were, we've always been known as the only company that could do um, not only a really robust solution 100% in the cloud that was enterprise grade, but one that, that um, you know, somebody who's not a developer can pick up and be an expert on within two to three weeks. Um, so traditionally in IoT, if you do a project Playing with the devices, the machines, and the networks to get the data collected will eat 80-90% of, of somebody's budget. And, and most people, the, the complexity there is sometimes can be enormous, and, and they'll run out of um, they may run out of enthusiasm for the project. So we're just trying to make the software piece, you know, simple for people to really discover what what data is in there, but also do it at a cost that's, that's affordable. So we're offering. Um, you know, large-scale IoT data collection starting at $1,000 per month. Um, if you want to add our data science um, capabilities, automated data science capabilities on top of that, that's another $500 a month. So for $1,500 a month, you know, any manufacturer can essentially get started for what amounts to like a credit card bill. Um, traditionally, you know, the access point for IoT software, enterprise-grade IoT software has been about $50,000. Um, so again, in the context of a of a, of a exploratory project where people don't know what, what they're going to get out of IoT, and, they, and there's a lot of devices and networks to work with, that we make it you know more achievable. 